Welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. I am your HIV positive host, Jennifer Lee Vaughn. This is how I get it started. I'm starting my podcast filming myself on my Instagram story. Should I put this on my close friends? Should I put this on my regular story? I think I'll put it on my regular story. This is how it looks, me in my closet filming. And uh, I don't usually film myself when I do my, my I was going to say my TikTok, nope, when I do my podcast. But um, I thought I would give it a little bit of a peek, a sneaky peeky. I, I don't know that I'm feeling comfortable enough to film myself through a whole podcast, but maybe someday. All right. I'm saying goodbye to my Instagram family at this point, and I'm only going to talk to the mic at this point. Bye, guys. Thanks for joining me again this week for more stories. I'm looking at my notes here. I um, I know I talked to you guys last week about my um, X Factor encounter with Mr. Chris Renee, which I really liked, you know, reliving. <laughs> I've been playing um, young homie in my car <laughs> constantly, and I actually put it on my playlist at the gym again, and it's like... It's such a fun song. It really is. And it just brings back all the memories about that time. Not necessarily even just him, but I, we just, just that time that he was really big as far as we felt like, you know, this is pre really YouTube and all of that. This was like TV only. And, um, yeah, he wasn't even, there was no Instagram then. So his Instagram account is actually fairly small. It has like just over 3000 people where, um, his Facebook, he's blue checked, you know, and he's got like a lot more followers on Facebook. Cause that was really the only social media back then. But, you know, it was really exciting for us who lived in this area to see him, you know, on that big show X factor and have a real video made about his song. It was produced and everything. I still can't find the name of that one, judge it was a bald black guy it was not randy jackson although he kind of looked like him glasses bald black age same age not as heavy as randy was um i can't find his name and when i look up that year of x factor they name nicole scherzinger whatever her last name was paula abdul and simon it doesn't even list him but he there was another judge on there like they have a whole scene where chris is singing to him trying to make it into I guess onto the show or I don't remember, but they'd sing for the judges like at a private home, like overlooking, you know, LA and there's like a beautiful pool and it's just this one-on-one -on -one with the judge and they're singing, you know, acapella to the judge. And Chris did this and he said, I don't remember what song he sang. And then they have this little one-on-one -on -one talk and they, you know, the music soars in and they've, they always for Chris's packages. Um, that's, you know, like, the parts where they made like a little pretty, I don't know if you guys know that in TV, it's called like a package. So it was like Chris's segment, basically. They would use Fix You from Coldplay. That was kind of like, oh, they were always using that as like a background song. And I remember that was, I had not heard that song before. And I was like, damn, that song builds. Like that is, that song gave me such goose, goosebumps. And it honestly really fed into this whole feeling about his story because of that song and um you know because it was this guy that was you know I was obviously very talented and he was you want to see the rising star you want to see somebody that comes from nothing get everything like it's the best story we all love that and that's exactly what he had he had that story and um anyways it was really fun to watch it happen right in front of our eyes so um yeah playing that song in my car it's like it brings back those memories of that and my kids we all know the song and we kind of feel like well we know all the words to it it's not real rapping it's not like eminem rapping or busta rhymes rapping but um easy enough for us to sing it 
and um, enjoy it. So yeah, I've been reliving it a little bit. Um, and what else did I want to tell you guys about him? Um, yeah, I looked him up on Instagram and he is a father of three. And it looks like I know that he has one that was adopted when he was younger and just wasn't, he was not in a good place to have a child. And I think that was a good choice for him and the mommy. Um, but it looks like he might be with the same woman that he was with while he was on the show. Although of course they never even mentioned her on the show. He was basically looked like he was single. Um, and so, but it looks like they have two more sons together and, um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. Um, Fix You, Intro, Outro, first time hearing that song. Yeah, this is pretty much everything I wanted to. Oh, and him overcoming a drug and alcohol um, issue was, you know, that's part of the song. He says um, uh, something about being sober, like two months have been sober now or something like that. That's not the exact line, but, um, you know, and then they recorded the song and they said, it's been nine months now since I haven't had a drink now. And, um, I don't know what his sobriety is like at this point, but of course we hope that he has stayed sober. Um, but again, I don't really see much from him musically or, you know, anything online. He, he's, he does have a really great voice. It's smoky. And, um, if you watch any of his stuff on YouTube, you'll hear that. So, um, you know, and he can play the piano, he can play the guitar and you know, he's musically inclined. Yeah. He's a talented guy for sure. Um, Speaking of talented guys, <laughs> oh God, I got to get to that story too. Um, okay. Do I tell my big story now? Hmm. I will say that I went to the Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Poison, Joan Jett concert on Wednesday night. Was it Wednesday or was it Thursday? My God, it was the seventh, whatever day that was. Oh, it was Wednesday. Um, and I was sitting up in the, and I'll, I'll, replay this whole, uh, I will tell the whole story about that concert and, and how that all went, what happened afterwards that basically made me feel like, um, I wouldn't be here today to do this podcast, honestly. So I will get into all of that later on. I'm going to cover a few other things first, but, um, when I was sitting in my seats, there were total no nosebleed seats at, um, or it's called Oracle park, but it's basically where the giants play, um, Basket, basketball, hello, uh, baseball. We used to call it AT&T Park, but of course Oracle bought it and now it's Oracle Park. So my seats were three rows from the very, very top. Like that's how high I was, but it doesn't matter there where you sit. Every seat is a great seat because these big screens that they have um, make you feel like you're literally seeing the guy on the stage. It, it still feels live. There's nothing taken away from it. For me, I don't need to see them up close like them in person. So I feel like it's still a good show wherever you sit up there. But when I was looking down and this was while it's still light outside, it was in between, um, uh, acts. I'd missed Joan Jett. I didn't get there in time for Joan Jett. And I really don't care. Cause I, I mean, I only really like one of her songs, but everybody said she was great and she looked freaking badass. I did see some pictures of her. She's like 62 and she's, she's ripped and she just still looks really good. Um, but I think it was between her and when Poison came out, or it might've been after Poison waiting for Motley Crue. I can't remember. Anyways, there was a lot of seating available and, but, um, I stayed in my seat cause I sat next to this really rad lady who was a little bit younger than me, but we just had a blast. We freaking belted out all the songs together. And she had this real crazy kind of like, sm like she was a smoker, past smoker, probably kind of a whiny voice. And she didn't sing real pretty, but I didn't care cause I 
got to hang out with some chick I didn't even know. She was there with her 20-year-old daughter, and we just, we had a blast. That was what I, that's what I love about concerts, that you can just bond with people that you don't even know over music that you love. I mean, that was what it was all about. And I, we even hugged at the end, and she's not somebody that I typically probably would have ever been, like, friends with or anything. We were just pretty different people, I think. But in that setting, we just totally, like, we just had a great time together. It was, it was great. Super bonding experience. Um, and yes, we're now we're connected on um, Instagram, but we'll probably never talk. Who knows? Anyways, I'm sitting there with her and I look down and I'm like, that's, that's got it. Yep. That's him. It's James Durbin from American Idol. He came in fourth. Um, I think it was, oh no, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure what season it is, but it's the one with, when Adam Lambert won. I don't want to say that season three, but I don't think so. I think it was later, later on down the road, but who knows? Maybe I'm right. Anyways, uh, James Durbin came in fourth and he lives in my area. He grew up in Santa Cruz and he, this is like probably 12 years ago and, um, maybe even a little bit more, but right around there. And he, they did a hometown for him, even though he was let go at number four, they would only do hometown parades and all that for the top three. But because he was so well liked, they did a hometown for James Durbin and we were there for it. We waited on the beach at the Santa Cruz beach boardwalk for him to come through the crowd on an open truck. And he was waving with his wife and they made it up to the stage. And the cool thing about James Durbin is he has Tourette's and it was very, um, he was very open about it on American Idol. And he said when he sang that it would go away. And then he would have these little ticks on stage that we were all like kind of fascinated by because again, we didn't have TikTok back then. TikTok. Wow, that was ironic. Um, but we just didn't really know a lot about Tourette's. Of course, now you can find it again on TikTok. Like there's several uh, creators who talk about their Tourette's. Um, but I don't really see it with him. I've, we've seen him live here locally in Santa Cruz. Uh, maybe he takes something for it now. I'm not sure. But um, it doesn't seem as prominent as it was on American Idol. But um, anyways, he talked about it a lot on American Idol. And when he sang, and by the way, this guy can sing anything. Like his voice is, in, it's one of those voices that gives you goosebumps because it's effortless and he can sing. He likes, I know he likes really heavy metal, like Iron Maiden and stuff like that. But, and he was, he used to um, sing for Quiet Riot. He was their lead singer touring with the band for, I don't know how long, but for a while. And um, because he can hit all those high notes, he can do Steve Perry, you name it, high note singing is his specialty and he has no trouble doing it and it's beautiful and it sounds amazing. And um, yeah, he does like some stuff on Facebook. I don't know if he still does, but he would like do once a week, like a, just a random song pick and just sing it live um, because he's been doing this for years. I mean, this is, he's gone all around Santa Cruz. He would play at all the like local clubs that he could probably before he was even old enough to get into them because he has a freaking God-given talent. I'm not religious, but some people are born with voices and some, most of us are not. So those that are, have this ability to me, this natural talent to make music out of their body is like their voice. <laughs> I shouldn't say their body because that could be another orifice. But for people that are able to sing um, beautifully like that, of course, I don't know. I, f I feel like we're all, we all are touched by that and we don't even really understand why. Like it's just, it can bring tears to your eyes. It's so amazing, you know? And so like these people to me are like, I, I'm sorry, but I'm like completely like kind of freaked out by them because it's like, oh my God, there's that person with that talent. Holy shit. Um, so anyways, I spot him 10 rows down. 
I'm like, and I just needed to see a little bit of the side of his face, but I could see his, he had a sleeveless shirt on. I think he had, well, let me look at the picture because there's a picture. Um, I think he had a baseball hat on bandana backwards baseball hat. Yeah. Black bandana. Um, and then a black backwards baseball hat. And he has a Judas priest, uh, sleeveless black t-shirt on, of course. And he's got lots of tattoos. And I'm like, okay, I see the side of his face again. And I'm like, that's freaking, I said, I'll be right back. I said to the lady that said that I'll be, I'll explain it in a second. So I run down there. I run up behind him, um, where his seat was. Cause there was nobody sitting in the row behind him. And then some other guy at the same time hits him up right on his side, on his row. And that guy starts, and that guy's about my age. And he starts talking about something Santa Cruz or whatever. So obviously this guy's from Santa Cruz and he's, he's obviously noticing James as well. And I, I'm, I'm kind of almost interrupting the guy like, yeah, me too. And I'm like, and this guy goes away. I don't even remember. Like, I feel like I kind of like was, I might've rudely interrupted. I don't know. Cause I was kind of nervous and I was like, I couldn't keep my mouth shut and I was ready to talk to James. And so I said, Hey, I'm from Santa Cruz. Also, I, I, you know, love your stuff. And, you know, I saw you at Michael's on Main recently. And can I just get a picture? And he said, of course, he was so nice. And he said something about how this was like his second picture of the night. And um, I thought that was kind of cool that other people rec were recognizing him because it did get dark very soon after that. And after that, you wouldn't ever be able to see him. So I'm glad that I caught him down in front of me when I had a chance. I got a very cool picture with him and I put that on my Instagram. Um, it is on my HIV Instagram and I need to do a story about it. Cause I don't think anybody probably looked into it to hear, you know, they just saw that I posed with James Durbin and you can't tag him. He doesn't let you tag him on Facebook or on Instagram. So it's like, nobody could really, you'd have to like Google him or whatever. But um, anyways, that was really cool that I ran into James Durbin. Yes, I do like those singing shows. I don't watch them anymore, but I used to. And um, it's kind of cool to have local talent. Those are the two local guys that actually made it big here in this area. So yeah, it was kind of neat to see James Durbin, but that it's kind of ironic that I just did that story about Chris Renee, and then I see James Durbin right there, like literally less than a week later. Um, okay, so that was cool. I realized I do not have a, a podcast at all about my bank robbery. I need to do that because my TikTok that I did about it, which had over a million views, was taken down with my account that I still do not have. But again, I don't care because this new account's just fine. I'm almost up to 17.5 thousand followers at this point. I've done that in under a month. I mean, I'm not, it's not bad, you know, it'll happen. It'll come back. And it really doesn't matter how many people I have. It's the lives that have been incredible. And I'm reaching so many people during lives. I, I guess they put me on the for you page on the live. And the last one that I did was just about two hours long. I had a hundred and almost 174,000 viewers during those two hours. I can't even comprehend that. That's like almost or probably about three times the amount of people that live in Watsonville. We have almost 50,000. Oh, it's over that then. Yeah, I think we have like 48,000. So more than three times the amount of people that, that live in Watsonville viewed my live that night. Like it, we always had a running number of about just under 1500 people were on that live at all times. Like that's, that was, that's nuts. And you don't feel it at all because you don't hear anything. So it's kind of like, you just see that number and you're like, damn, there's a freaking lot of people watching. And then, you know, you understand that 
so many people are learning about HIV and learning about what it is today and what you went through and how you can't transmit it. And it's like, Jesus, I mean, other than making a movie, I don't know, really a better platform. It really is an amazing platform. So thankful for that, at least that the lives are getting um, the exposure that they did prior to me losing my account. So it really didn't have anything to do with the amount of followers I had. It's just... I guess they find my live interesting. I do a green screen behind me with my sick picture and some information about like, you know, answering some of the more common questions so people don't repeat, ask me over the same, you know, ask me the same question over and over again. Um, and that probably draws people to the live because of my sick picture. And then that just snowballs and it's just like a constant flow of people. So that's, it really doesn't have anything to do with how many followers I have. Um, so that is very cool. Um, I had a little accident about a week ago. I was at the grocery store with my son. This is so unrelated, but I'm going to just check it off my list here. But yeah, I do need to talk about my bank robbery because I don't have, other than my YouTube channel, I don't have a place where I've spoken about it. And it's, um, yeah, it's a, obviously a good story. So, um, uh, the bank robbery where I got shot. I didn't mention that part in case you didn't know that I got shot in a bank robbery when I was 20, almost 21 through my wrist and my chest. Um, and I'm okay, obviously. Um, but it's quite a story. Yeah. I was a teller and a guy came in and robbed my station and I got shot and I didn't do anything wrong. We don't know why he did it. Never did. Yes. He was caught and, um, he's out of jail now. He was out in 2017. So he spent like 27 years in jail prison, I should say prison. Um, but yeah, I was with my son. We went to the grocery store and we went to the car and we we're putting in, you know, <laughs> we don't have bags. We don't use bags. We could bring them in, but I always forget. So we just take stuff out of the cart and throw it in the back of the car. And I ha there was a can of, I think it was refried beans and it slipped out of my hand. And instead of just letting it hit the freaking ground, like I should have, I got my foot right in the way of it to stop it. And the edge of the can hit my foot. Uh, no, it hit me. Oh, it was that right above my ankle? Like I can feel it. Where was it? I think it was the side of my ankle there. Yeah. 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 It was like right on the side, um, the inside of my left ankle. And right away I was like, Oh God, that freaking hurt. So I'm like grabbing my ankle and it's like, sort of like that. Okay. This is going to hurt for a good, you know, 30 seconds or a minute. And then it'll start subsiding. Oh no. This thing, I hit, well, I don't know if I hit a nerve or an artery, but it starts to swell up kind of right away. I know I didn't break anything. And I've done this once before skateboarding where the board went up a ramp and then it came back down. I was, it was a half pipe and I don't know why, but I didn't get out of the way or I thought I could stop it with the inside of my foot. I don't know what I was thinking, but the edge of the board smacked the inside of my ankle, same thing. And at that time it blew up like a golf ball underneath my skin. It was so gross and it hurt really bad. Um, as it swelled up with blood. So I'd cut something inside my foot, like a I don't know, capillary, artery, vein. I don't know what's going on down there, but something got broken open and it, you know, was leaking out, obviously. Um, and then it, you know, it, I don't remember how long that hurt for, but um, this seemed worse for some reason. And it didn't swell up like that, just a little bit. And there was a little purple mark, like it looked like a thumb, like I took my thumbnail and had made an impression in my skin. That's all that was there. But this thing hurt like a son of a bitch for almost two hours. 
I could hardly catch my breath. I was like squeezing my leg. I talked about it all on my Instagram story. Like, I mean, I probably came across as a big baby, but it hurt so freaking bad. And it was like, it just wasn't easing up. It was like this constant pain, ache, not, yeah, I guess an ache. It was hard to describe. I mean, it felt like the nerve might have been hit. It really felt like an artery or, again, capillary vein. I don't know what the frick is going on down there, but something felt like it was um, injured and it really, really freaking hurt. And then I like literally asked people on my Instagram story, can you guys look up what to do? Is anybody medical out there that can tell me? So some nice lady from France looked it up and said, you know, and it's funny, I had already done these things by the time I got the answer. So I was on the right path, but take ibuprofen, um, ice it, elevate it. And although it feels very, very painful, the pain will eventually subside, you know, not too long. And it's not a serious condition in any way. And I kind of assumed all that. And I had already taken the ibuprofen. So yeah, about two hours later, that, that intense pain finally started to subside. I mean, two hours is a long freaking time to go with intense pain, you know? And, um, I mean, I've probably gone longer with different things in my life. <coughs> hemorrhoids that are very painful. And I don't even know how I got through that. I think I need to tell my hemorrhoid story at some point. I've had three surgeries. I've had three surgeries and no, it's not from that. Everybody thinks that it's not from that. I, and I mean, I'm talking about like behind, you know, that kind of sex. It's not, I've had them since I, the first time it ever happened to me, I was in high school and it was from, it's basically genetic. It's like weakened. I don't know, whatever it's genetic. And uh, I was like, mom, something's wrong with my butt. <laughs> it hurts. And, um, I just remember that happening once in high school and I was a virgin and, um, and then it happened again with my first boyfriend in, um, college. Here I am. I'm just going into the story. I'm not going to tell it yet, but anyways, if you've ever had this surgery before, uh, yeah. And the first boyfriend that I had in college, we had not done that either. And I still, it still happened. And I, that was a thrombosed one. It was not receding and I had to have it surgically removed when that Novocaine wears off. <laughs> that is the most painful thing I have ever been through in my life. I don't care about getting shot. I don't care about AIDS. I don't care about this nerve thing that I have hemorrhoid surgery recovery is the worst pain I've ever been through in my entire life. And I've had it three fucking times. Um, the other ones were internal and yeah, there's, it's just, I'll, I'll tell it. I'll talk about it in another, another story, but, um, or another, uh, what is this called? Podcast. Okay. So, um, back to my ankle, it finally started feeling better. And then it, but then it was really tender to the touch for, um, and it was tender to the touch when this all happened too, but it's still, I can still feel where it was and it's been over a week. So yeah, that happened. That was not fun. Um, okay. Moving on, moving on. Um, I was going to talk about something. Else. Okay. So I, there was two people on Tinder that I thought it would be fun to kind of talk about them. Um, before, oh my God, by the way, there are so many guys in my life that have been named Chris. I didn't really go over this, but the mountain man that I did mushrooms with, who I even chatted with a little bit today, um, I never did end up seeing him again. I, I think he's just going through stuff. He's really nice, but 
we're just into, you know, that place to me up there is like magical because I hardly ever go there. This is where he lives, you know, like this is like his reality all the time, you know? So I don't know. I think he's just going through stuff. So I'm not going to take anything personally. Um, you know, whenever he wants to invite me back up, he can, and I'll probably go, but I'm not going to push it. So he needs to like talk to his therapist about his life stuff and, and whatever. So there is him. His name is Chris. My favorite, who I don't talk to anymore, I haven't talked to in like two or three weeks. I haven't seen him in almost three weeks. Um, his name is Chris. My ex-husband's name is Chris. Um, my daughter's boyfriend's name is Chris. My niece's boyfriend's name is Chris. I have a cousin named Christy who is married to a Chris. My, do my daughter, my sister's stepson is named Chris. I, I cannot tell you the the endless names or the endless amounts of Chris in my life. Maybe this is everybody. I don't know, but there's a shit ton of Chris's um, in and have been in my life. It is the most popular name in my list of people that I have been with. That is for sure. Eric being the second most popular. Um, but ironically, <laughs> I had two Neils this week. I met with one of them. And, um, honestly, right off the bat right now, I can't even remember what the other one was about. I think it was something, some conversation online. I'm going to have to look at my notes cause I honestly don't remember. One was spelled N E I L and one was spelled, one was spelled N E A L. So the N E I L, uh, here it is. I met with him and you know, he, we talked about the height thing cause I wasn't totally sure, or maybe he had it in his profile anyways. I talked about the fact that we met we went for a walk and then I'm always like sort of like a little curious to see if there's chemistry there so I did you know we did kiss made out a little bit in the parking lot uh, yeah I did talk about this I did forget to say and you know what I always forget is if did I talk about this on my close friends story or did I talk about it on here anyways I just know that when I kissed him I literally had to bend one leg and the other leg was like I was so twisted like my legs were all twisted like and I'm bent like it was ridiculous like I even said oh my god look at my legs like so silly I don't know I had them like wrapped around each other and I'm bending to like not feel so tall but anyways we ended up sitting on sitting on the bumper of his car kissing a little bit more and um yeah I don't know I just didn't you know you there's either chemistry or there's not I didn't really feel it so I did not really know what to do. Um, and I kind of, you know, and I even told him like we were both, rem we were both commiserating. I was going to say reminiscing. It was not reminiscing. We were commiserating about having, um, intimate relations with people that felt more than just sex and being kind of like, why isn't that person giving us more than just, um, these sexual moments that do seem way more than just sex, which definitely is how I felt about that. You know, my favorite, um, who I, I really, I'm so over it now. It's really a huge relief to not have all that, um, going on in my head anymore. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was, um, not working during the summer. I had a good, I think I had five weeks off. I did do the summer school thing, but it still doesn't feel like work work. And I had too much free time, just too much free time to think about all this shit. And I'm really glad I'm back to work. It's gotten my mind off all that. So, but yeah, I'm really good. I'm like, I think he's dating somebody and I'm, I'm happy for him. If that's, you know, he seems like he really does want a girlfriend. He deserves to have somebody his age. That's for sure. So, um, anyway, uh, <laughs> um, wait, what? 
Oh, this is the other Neil. Okay, I just found the other conversation. Okay. Jesus. That's right. That was, oh, I, okay. So the other Neil was definitely a catfish. That's what I w wanted to talk about. But this other one, oh, okay. I got to find the, the message from him. We meet and then I'm, I'm just not feeling it. I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm not into it. And I, and what, oh my God, did I really delete the message from him? I couldn't have. I don't think I did. Did I? Shit. I might have. And that means that I just got to try to remember from memory. I was really hoping that it, I could read it to you guys. Okay, I'm going to scroll through my pictures really quick here. See if I can find it. Because he basically said everything wrong to somebody that doesn't want to be pressured. And it's good for me to be on the other end of that sometimes. So I don't do that to anybody. And I know I probably have like... Hey, if you ever need to talk, I'm here. Oh God. Worst thing to say to somebody who just kind of doesn't want any more from you. And I really wasn't into him, but he wrote out to me and said, Hey, how are you doing? I'll just basically, I don't see it. I guess I did delete it because it probably bothered me so much. Um, but I basically just said that, um, I was, I just, made something up and said that, and he will never hear this because he doesn't know about my uh, advocacy, but I just made something up and said something like, I'm just, yeah, I'm in a weird place and I'm sorry I've been kind of quiet or whatever. Cause I told him during that meetup that I, we, again, we had kind of bonded over the fact that we'd been with these people that we felt sort of let us, not let us on, but just, it was very confusing. So um, I was like, yeah, we'll definitely hang out again. And I really kind of thought we would, but then as I, after I left and I was back on my own, I was like, yeah, I'm trying, I'm forcing this. I'm not feeling this at all. Like I'm really forcing this because he's nice. He's interested in me and we've gone through similar stuff. So I want to make it work and we've got similar interests and stuff like that. But you know, he lives at his parents. Like, I don't know. I just, I, you know, apparently he's going to have his own like separate entrance and stuff, but it doesn't matter. I'm just not, I'm not into it. So when he wrote to me, it was like, oh God, I got to deal with this now. Cause I really hadn't said much to him and I thought he was going to take the hint. And then I, um, I basically just said that I'm in a weird place. I'm really sorry for being quiet. Cause he had reached out after me. And I remember this was the guy that asked me if I wanted to come over and snuggle like the next day. Cause it was like cold out. And I was like, oh, it's the worst thing he could have asked me. I do not even know you. Like I, this snuggling is not something you do with somebody that you just met. That is a very intimate thing. Like that's something you do way down the line. So I was even more turned off after that. And then, so then I made up something about that day that I was really busy and then I didn't reach out to him or anything. And then again, like two days later or something like, Hey, what are you up to? Or whatever. I'm like, Oh God. And that's when I said, just in a weird place. I don't know. Just not really know what I'm feeling right now. I'm just kind of like down right now. I was like making shit up. And then he comes back with, Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Well, I'm here for you whenever you're ready. Like, um, feel free to reach out to me. Like, I know he's trying to be nice, but when you're in that place where you're not feeling it with somebody, all of that is so annoying. It's really annoying. It's like, Oh my God. It's like, it's overkill. It's like, have some mystery. I don't know. The fact that you're trying to be too nice and wanting to be everything for me is just annoying. And it's turning me off so much. Like you, if you didn't already have a nail in the coffin, you have like 10 now. So it's like, it's over. So I just said, yeah, thanks so much. Or 
thumbs up. I don't know. I was nice, but not overly nice because you don't want to give them the wrong impression. And um, man, have I probably read into some things that guys have responded to me with me thinking more into it, more, more than likely from my favorite. <laughs> and it really didn't mean what I thought because I wanted it to mean more because I liked him, you know. So he probably thought this too when when I wrote back to him initially about the, the snuggling day. I don't know. But anyways, that got quiet. Then I, this uh, ironically, like a day later, I match with this very handsome man, um, dark, like dark, short, you know, whatever that five o'clock shadow, but the whole thing's real nice and dark. And I think he was like 35. I think it said his name. Yeah, he was Neil. He was the other Neil. And, um, we matched, but one of his photos looked a little bit like he was 10 years older. I was a little confused, but into fitness and all this and lives over in San Jose. And I'm like, ah, we'll see whatever so we start talking and we exchange phone numbers we had a little bit of a conversation on tinder but then i get this okay good evening ali i'm neil from tinder this is after i gave him my, num my number nice to chat with you here do you remember mine and like right away that's a red flag like because it should have been do you remember me do you remember me he says do you remember god i can't talk do you remember mine hope you had a great holiday and this was labor day right it was probably yeah, it was Monday, Labor Day. And I said, hi, Neil. And so I'm just, I'm not, I'm going to let it slide. Maybe he's doing voice text. I don't know. I say, hey, Neil, of course I remember you. So my name is actually Jennifer. I did have a nice day off. Super happy about the heat. I actually love this heat wave that we've been having here in this area because I'm near the coast and we don't usually have super hot days, but I do like it when it happens. And I said, um, I live near the coast, so this is not the norm. Are you in San Jose? I'm in Watsonville. And for those that don't know, that's about an hour apart from each other. He And he says, hi, Jennifer, this is the next day. So I'm like, okay, this guy didn't get back to me right away. That's cool. He wrote to me at 8.30 Monday. I wrote back at 10 o'clock p.m. He didn't write back till the next day at 10.30. So I'm like, that's actually good. I like that. He did not write back right away. Later in the morning, all of these things are so psychological, but they do matter for me, they do. I need a chase. If guys are way too responsive too fast, I get anxiety. It's, no, no, no. You got to slow the hell down unless there's already a good vibe going, but this is like a brand new conversation. So he says, hi, Jennifer. Today is a busy work day. Just finished processing some emails, which I don't, who says that processing some emails? Okay. So maybe he's like some professional and this is what they say in the office. I don't know. Um, how are you? And then he has a separate text. I'm glad we're not far and he does we're correctly we are you know we apostrophe re uh we're not far away and hope to get a chance to have a drink together well i consider san jose far away i consider santa cruz which is 15 minutes away not far away but san jose like that's an hour away so why would you say i'm glad we're not far i think that is far and I say, um, just got done at the gym. Feels great, as you know, because this guy is clearly a gym rat, according to his pictures. Headed to work later. Uh, I put laugh out loud. I don't think I have any info on myself. Um, I had to go to the next picture. On my profile, I'm a mom of three, 22, 19, and 15. I'm an elementary after school supervisor and, well, laugh out loud so much more. Um, yes, a drink would be fun. I see you, you are, you're from LA based on your area code. And then have you lived in the Bay area long? He said, this is its response. I also love working out. I go to the gym. No, no. Yeah. 
I go to the gym. I want to make sure because some stuff is left out and it makes his English odd. Um, four to five times a week. To me, you are a great mom. To me, you are a great mom. I have not one picture of me with my kids on my profile. I just mentioned to him that I have three kids and those are their ages. And he's said to me that I'm a great mom. Like, but how do you know? You have, you know nothing about me being a mom. So again, like that little like feeling that something's odd, but I, it's like the little, like Oprah used to say that little tapping on your shoulder with God trying to tell you something. It's that same kind of thing. Um, he says, I am a widower and have no children. My time in San Jose was only a few months. Okay. So now I'm totally fucking confused. I am a widower. That's not confusing, but that's a red flag because that I've had that happen before where somebody told me that they lost their wife. It's a sympathy thing to try to suck you in to talk to them. And it's typically not true. And so I'm right away. I'm like, you know, you don't want to come out them and say, I don't believe you because God, what if their wife freaking died? And then you look like a total bitch. So, and maybe this guy is real and it's the sexy guy you're talking to and you don't want to like, you know, come off and act like you don't believe him. So I'm going to, I'm going to let that one slide for a second, but of course I'm going to come back to it. So, and then he says, um, and I have no children. That's fine. Um, and my time in San Jose was only a few months was only a few months. I thought you just said you lived in San. Okay. So you say we live close by and that's good. And your time in San Jose was only a few months. So are you like in Santa Cruz now? Like, where do you freaking live? I'm super confused. I say, I go about the same to the gym. I'm so sorry to hear about your wife because I want to look like I believe him just to keep this going, see where it's going to go. May I ask you how long ago, how long ago did she die? Um, uh, and you said, I meant to say your, <laughs> you said you time, your time in San Jose was only a few months, question mark. So you don't live there anymore. Sorry, I'm confused about where you live. He says, it's okay. I'm out of the sad day. What? What? I'm out of the sad day? What the fuck? Okay. Uh, now I'm like, oh, this is too much. Come on. But still, I still don't have the heart to say you're a fucking liar and you're a catfish and this is not you. But she, and then he says, she died of lung cancer in June, 2021. Okay. So you're telling me she died a year ago and you are out of the sad day. <laughs> what? What? Really? It only took you a year to get over her death. And he says, I currently live in San Jose and have only just moved to San Jose a few months ago. That's funny because you just said my time in San Jose was only a few months. Okay, so that did not make sense. I said, okay, again, really sorry to hear. Hey, I like to ask people that I match with to confirm their authenticity to, or by sending me a picture of them holding a pencil or pen. Could you provide that when you have a chance? Just, you know, trying to say it as nicely as possible, but, you know, I kind of don't fucking believe you. So let's have a little proof of these pictures and make sure you are that guy in the pictures. And he says, of course, how do you prove you to me? Like, I don't fucking need to prove myself to you. Like, I'm, this is for my safety, asshole. Like, I'm the woman. And he says, do you have time tonight? He ignores my, my picture request. Do you have time tonight? We can meet for a drink together. This is the best way to prove each other. Huh? This is the best way to prove each other? That's like, that sentence doesn't even make sense. 
No, it isn't. Um, I don't go and meet people that I have a weird feeling about in person. Sorry, dude. So I say, being a woman, this is for my safety. Hello. I said, I don't meet anyone unless I'm sure they are who they represent on their profile. And he said nothing else. <laughs> and I gave him a good hour, I think. And then I just unmatched him on Tinder. So definitely a catfish. These catfish suck. I don't know what they are doing this for. I just don't get it. Like, what is the point of wasting everybody's time? A picture of me? Is that what you want? Like, there's plenty of pictures of me in a bikini. I don't know. Do you need to see my boobs? I mean, I don't like, I don't get this. Why guys do this? Um, and he wouldn't have gotten that anyways. But whatever. Definitely catfish. So there was that. I wanted to make sure I told it. So yeah, I'm getting freaking sick of the dating apps. I really am. And I'm finding so many great um, TikToks that talk about dating apps. This is one that I still had. I've deleted a bunch of them, but I like this one. This guy. And makes it very clear that you're his girlfriend by backing up what he's saying with actions. Text everybody back and go on all of them dates. Straight up. He's just saying, unless some guy like really makes it clear that he wants you to be his girlfriend, then just freaking keep dating everybody. Like you don't need to not date, just keep dating. But um, there was another one, but I, I ran out of room on my storage on my iCloud, even though I pay more money a month to have iCloud storage. Um, but it's just these women on TikTok that are, oh, maybe I can find it in my TikTok favorites. That's where they are. Hold on. i find it on here. Because there's some women that say some really good stuff that make me realize that, um, uh, yeah, that this online dating thing is just such a freaking joke. It really is. It is, it is very hard to meet people through the internet because I'm very particular about voices. And if someone has a weird ass voice, that's it. I'm just not interested. And my favorite had a, the, he has the deepest voice. And that is one thing that really drew me to him because he's short, but his voice is insane. It's so deep. And I'm like, damn, like it blew me away. So, uh, that was part of the reason I was super attracted to him. But, um, let's see, I'm in my closet and it's my, oh, there we go. Okay. There's this, this lady, it's kind of a long one. She's got a part one and two. Should I do? Yeah, I'm going to play this thing. It might be three minutes, but it's worth it. Like, listen to what she says. This is about, she does a lot of online dating stories, and I think that they're awesome. Like, this makes so much sense. But listen to this. If it'll play. Oh, come on. My thing's, like, spinning. It's not working. This is a review of the cycle of... Oh, is it going to do this the whole time? Of online dating. This is nothing new um, if you've been out there a while, but if you are new to online dating, semi-new, um, I just want you to know that what you are experiencing is normal and we have all gone through it. I'm also going to do a part two of this where I am going to go through the online dating cycle if you are a woman over 40-ish. So if that's you, stay tuned. When I divorced 12 years ago, um, it was the first time I got to be alone in a long time, so I really enjoyed my alone time. But then, inevitably, there comes a time when you start to get lonely. And this begins the vicious cycle of online dating. <laughs> Word. So here we are at the top. We start to feel lonely. 
you know, we live in a technology-driven age, so it's only logical that you're going to want to try the dating apps, right? You get online, you meet some men, you go on a few dates. It's not that bad. Maybe you see some potential out there, you know? But then as time goes on, you begin to see the underbelly of the dating apps. You notice there's a big shortage on tall men. <laughs> and maybe you start meeting some guys that don't have jobs. They live with their mothers yep. or have roommates. And there's nothing Homeless. quite like getting that first married guy who's on the app. Been there? Ah, uh, yes, my first married guy. It just seems like yesterday. Or maybe you're texting with somebody back and forth on the app. Things seem like they're going great. And then all of a sudden, he just ghosts you. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you go on three dates with somebody, and then they ghost you, Randy. <laughs> maybe you meet somebody on the app, and everything's going great. You've gone on multiple dates, and you guys have lots of fun together, only to discover that he's still online looking for something else. Mm -hmm. And finally, you've had enough, and you swear off dating forever. There's another bubble that should be right after this swearing off dating, is that you have that epiphany, like, I don't need a man. I I'm happy single. I'm living the life. I can do what I want, with who I want, when I want. I can let the dog sleep in bed with me and lick peanut butter off my toes. I'm totally kidding. I did not let the dog lick peanut butter off my toes. Dog licking. <laughs> and you can go along just fine. Months, even years by yourself. But inevitably, you start to feel lonely. And then you end up back at the top of the cycle. Look for part two, and I'm going to cover what it's like if you're a woman over your 40s. <laughs> Okay, so I think she's great. I was like, yes. And she doesn't even have that many followers. She's like under 10,000. But uh, this is, I'm just going to play her part two because I think it's good. This is part two of the vicious online dating cycle, women over 40s edition. If you haven't seen part one, I'm going to link it down here. You can go take a quick review of that. If you're over 40, let's get to it. We don't have a lot of time. So I think you can fall into two categories if you are on online dating after 40. One is that... Um, you're recently divorced and you're just getting on the apps, you know, for the first time. Maybe you were married for 20 years or 30 years, whatever. And you're just trying it out now. We'll light a candle for you. <laughs> the other group are the veterans. Um, we've been on them and on them and on them for a long time. Hello. And for me, it has been 12 years. Woo. So a very quick recap um, of the cycle. We start with feeling lonely. We decide to go on the dating apps. We go on some dates. The, the experience is treacherous. We swear off dating forever. And then eventually we start to feel lonely again and the cycle repeats. When you're over 40, some other things start to come into play with the cycle. When you're in your 40s, you come to realize your worth. <laughs> and, you know, you're more mature. You enjoy your alone time. Um, you actually may prefer it. But you still get pushed toward online dating for a few reasons. Such as realizing you're going to have to go stag to your kids' weddings where your ex-husband will be with his child bride. Who's going to take me to my doctor's appointments? You know, all those things where you have to have a driver when you get older. Who's going to find me when I die? I mean, is my poor dog going to be left here to starve to death when it takes everybody two weeks to figure out that I've... So you get back on the apps, you message with a few people, but you know, let's keep this in mind. Um, the guys that are your age are looking at the women that are 10 years younger, which means that you have to look at the guys that are 10 years older. That's old. Just because the guys are older doesn't mean they're mature. They're still going to try to do the sexy talk right away. <laughs> By 
stupid so this time you have wised up and you're background checking your dates. So that wipes out half of them right there. Maybe more. You think you may have met someone special, but really they're back online looking for someone better. And now that's not okay with you. And so, once again, you swear off dating forever. And actually, it's fine because you actually enjoy your life as a single person. You know, you have your group of friends, you've got family, you've got your dog or cat or whatever. You're doing your hobbies, you've like, you know, working on yourself. <laughs> Time is a tricky fucker, and like childbirth, you kind of forget everything that you went through. And although you've sworn you will never do it again, you somehow find yourself online at the top of the cycle. This is all so true. I love the part that she says there's a shortage of tall men. It's so true. A, a shortage of men with hair also. They're all bald, I swear to God, and they all wear hats in their pictures. It's a dead giveaway. It's like, okay, where's the bald picture? And there it is, towards the end, always. Um, so yeah, there's a lot. And the thing with the where they live, they're either living with their parents, they're homeless, literally, they live in a car and they're traveling through town. You know, there's always, they, yeah, they have roommates, which I don't really care about that. But like, as long as you have your own room, not with your parents, like, that's fine. But yeah, there's a lot of weird, uh, or no job, oh my god, many, many like that. So it's like, yeah, who the frick is out there um, online dating? It's like, it's a bunch of like misfits and rejects. It's like, oh my God, and I'm part of this pool. Like, oh my God. But I continue to um, put myself through it because yeah, it's like entertaining in some ways. And it's, and it makes for some good content here on my podcast, obviously. So that was, that was good. I liked her um, and I'm going to follow her and her, I, do, I am following her. Her name is Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, Girl Wonder. And I, I think she's great. And I would, I'd recommend following her if you're um, into online dating. Um, and it looks like she's probably about 45 years old, so she gets it. Um, and I'm also following a, another lady who's really into younger guys, and she's probably like 42, and she's hysterical. I've put some of her stuff recently on my Instagram. Um, can totally, um, I feel seen with her for sure. Um, but anyways, I wanted to get, and I'm already like 50 minutes into this podcast, so I'm not going to go through all. I'm going to do a quick recap on the concert. It was great. Def Leppard's always the best, obviously. I love them. I think that's the fifth time I've seen them in concert. Love you, Joe Elliott. I was supposed to marry you when I was 13. It didn't happen, but I still love you to death, and your voice still sounds amazing. The whole band's great. Um, they were the the headliner, and so it started with Joan Jett. Missed her. Got there in time for Poison. Was very happy with Poison's performance. It's crazy. CeCe DeVille looks amazing up there. He's 60. The, like, the median age of all these rockers was 60. Like there's some are 59, some are 62, but basically most are 60 right in that area, which is crazy to me because I, it's just crazy. Like I forget I'm 52. Like this, yeah, that's, these guys are in their sixties. Um, Brett Michaels looks great. Of course he's wearing a wig. I don't really give a shit. He still looks good in his like sleeveless shirt and he's got like a bulge in his pants. It's all like faded right where his big fake wiener is. It's so funny that they've actually made his jeans look like his big wiener faded his pants out. I don't know how they did that, but it's really funny. You can see that on the big screen while he's walking around on stage. CeCe DeVille again is like a small man. I think he always has been. He's stayed that way. He looks like he's really fit. I mean, I wouldn't, I'd put some money on, he's probably a vegetarian. He looks like a pretty, like, 
fit, uh, healthy dude. And, um, he, I, he's, I don't know. His hair's pretty amazing. It's like long, it's flowing all over the place. He wears kind of one of those mad hatter hats and he's wearing sunglasses. So you can't see it. You can't see him real well. He's hidden underneath the hat, all the hair and these big glasses. And he's got real shiny, pearly teeth. I mean, it definitely has some veneers going on. Um, and he plays the guitar amazingly. Like he played, um, he did, uh, that real famous, um, song from, uh, Van Halen. Uh, I think it's called, ooh, what is it? Oh my God. I'm calling him John Van, Van, Van Halen. I'm forgetting all the names of the singers. Uh, Van Halen. What is his name? Uh, Eddie Van Halen. Thank you. It's his, it's his song. Let's see if I play it. I don't, I don't waste a lot of time. It's his guitar riff that everybody knows. Anyway, CZ DeVille is playing that. It's amazing. Um, and then they do, you know, uh, Talk Dirty to Me, which is just the best song. All the songs were great. I'm singing with this lady next to me. We're just like, you know, fists in the air. We're screaming. We're having a good time. Um, then Motley Crue comes on. I had seen Point Poison before, way back in the day when they were, um, when Talk Dirty to Me had come out. I saw them at the Shoreline. I feel like they had opened for Def Leppard. I don't know, but I saw them years ago when they were like young and super hot. And, um, but same four guys. And by the way, every one of these guys in these groups was the OG, except for Vivian, who's still an OG in Def Leppard. He replaced, um, Phil Clark, who died of a drug overdose way back on like the early nineties. And, um, maybe even the late eighties. I don't remember exactly. Steve Clark. God, I kept calling him Phil Clark. His name's Steve Clark. It just hit me that I've been saying that wrong at the concert. Anyway, Steve Clark died of a drug overdose. So he's the only replacement. Everybody else was like original bandmates. So all of Poison, it's the same guys. All of Motley Crue, same guys. Motley Crue was great. They did lots of smoke and mirrors through the whole concert because everybody's so old. They literally had a smoke pink smoke bomb that went off, not off. They, they shoot it out at the bottom of the, um, the field basically. And within a few minutes, you can't see the stage. You can't see the people across the field. There's so much pink smoke. It's kind of crazy, honestly. And that's how their concert starts because it hasn't gotten dark yet. So they, it's this transition period of they want to look kind of cool, but they don't really want everybody to see them yet because it's not dark out yet. And, and they are older, right? They have all aged. And uh, Vince ha is a little portly. Um, he can't sing worse shit. He just goes, rah, 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 can't stop my heart. Yeah, I mean, the guy doesn't sing worse shit. They have female backup singers that they kind of showed them a little too much because they're sort of like looking like strippers up on stage, which I don't like. I don't fucking care about like these girls. I want to, I want to see the guys. Mick Mars, they hardly show Mick. He's, he's got some muscle degenerative, um, complication. I don't know exactly what it is, but he looks like he's literally standing up there. He doesn't look like he's alive. I mean, his face looks like wax. He's got a lot of black hair on the way. He doesn't look any different. Like he's always dressed and had his hair the same way. Always, always. But he is a lot older than the other guys. So he's in his seventies. I don't know how old he is, but he's something like that. He looks like he's in his nineties, honestly. And he, yeah, he's old. They did show his hands up close playing the guitar and it looks like he can still play the guitar. The music sounded perfect. The music sounded just like you want it to sound, but Mick or, um, Vince Neil sounded like shit. I mean, it's like, it's, it's Vince's nasally voice, which we all know, but he won't, he's not singing. He just sound. you can, you can, uh, YouTube it. There's lots of videos of him live this year and it's terrible, but 
it's still exciting because it's goddamn Motley Crue and they did all the songs that we love. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, me and the girl, it's sometimes we looked at each other like, he sounds like shit. <laughs> oh my God. Like, it's pretty bad, but who cares? They're here. They're in front of us. They're singing. Then Def Leppard comes out. They do their thing. It's great. Okay. So before Def Leppard comes out, uh, and I guess my podcast is just going to go a little, little bit longer today. So um, before, um, Def Leppard comes out, my phone has 7% left. And all of a sudden I'm like, um, it's like nine o'clock and I can't even look at my phone while I'm waiting for them to set up for Def Leppard. Like what else are you going to do during this time? You kind of want to like have something to do. I can't cause I have like no battery left. And I know that I took Bart in to Oracle park and it's a mile away. So I have to walk from basically Oracle Park is right on the bay and I have to walk in towards the Embarcadero um, in San Francisco to Market Street, basically, which is a mile in after the concert is over. And I'm thinking the concert's probably, they'll probably go on at 9.30. It'll probably be over at 11. There were two BART trains left, one at 11.09 and one at 12.09. Now, if I get on the 11.09, that'll get me back to my car probably around 11.40. Takes me about an hour and some change to get home. That's going to get me home by one in the morning, roughly. If I wait for the 12.09, if I basically go through the whole concert, I'm not going to get home till two in the morning. And I had to be up at 6.30. I had work and I had to get my son to school by a certain time. So I'm playing these times over in my head and I know that I'm like, I have not much battery left on my phone. I have no way to charge my phone and I'm alone because the lady after Def Leppard started, they stayed for about mm, a little over half an hour, but she had to get back to Manteca and they decided to cut out because like she knows Def Leppard, but she didn't really like, wasn't the biggest fan of them. She really came more from Motley Crue. So all of a sudden it didn't matter. She wasn't going my direction anyways, but I was alone. And so she left and I was like, and I guess it was more that I couldn't really look at the time or anything if my phone died. And I was like, all of a sudden thinking like, I need to make sure my phone doesn't die. And um, because there's not much left. And it seems like when it gets under 10%, it seems to like go down real fast. And so, um, I only filmed Def Leppard. Uh, well, a few, I got the segments that I wanted from my Instagram story. So I'd film them and then send it. And then I wouldn't look at my phone again. And I was able to keep it at about 7% for quite a while. Cause I thought, what if I don't remember how to get to BART? I need to look at Google maps and I need my phone. Otherwise, what am I going to do? Who am I going to ask? How am I going to call somebody if my phone dies? Like what the hell am I going to do if my phone dies? So I'm contemplating and I'm at the very top of the stadium. And I got to tell you, when I got there, that place was so packed because it was in between Joan Jett and um, Poison. It was the first act and the second act. And this is a this concert started at 4.30 in the afternoon and it went all the way till 11. And so people were basically pre-gaming at that point still. And so when Joan Jett was done, everyone's like, it's dinner time. It's Budweiser time. Let's go get drinks and food. And so that's right when I arrived. So the corridors around where the food is, you know, how baseball stadiums are set up. It's like underneath the seating, basically, you can see into like the park area, but you could, I could hardly get through where the people were. And I thought, oh my God, if I had, and I did feel anxiety about it, I was starting to feel a little bit like I can't breathe, 
but I was okay. But I thought anybody who has anxiety with crowds, this would be like, for sure, you'd have to fucking leave because it was so packed with people. It was so crazy. I couldn't figure out how to get up. I was like at the lower level from one end to the other. And I still hadn't found where the stairway was. I'm like, how the hell do I get up to my seats? So, um, because the last time I did this was Coldplay and there was like a more obvious, I don't know. There was just something that said upper level. I kept seeing that, but I wasn't seeing this at Oracle. So I finally asked this very nice gentleman who was, had an orange vest on. I said, I just stopped him. I said, how do I get to the top? And he goes, follow me. And so he literally starts cutting through like lines of people going, excuse me, excuse me, like literally shouting at people and parting like the great sea. Is that the right word? Part, well, you know what I mean? He's parting all these people and he keeps looking back at me. And then there was a couple behind me and he goes, he counted, he goes, one, two, three. Okay. You guys stay with me. I mean, it felt like he was like my dad. He was this young gentleman. He was probably 20 years old. And I'm like basically holding onto the back of his jacket. And, um, he finally shows us how we get to the upper area. So my thought was that when we leave, I don't want to leave with everybody at the same time. I'm literally getting anxiety about like getting stuck in the hallways, trying to get out of this place because it was so packed at that moment. I thought it would be the same getting out. And, um, turns out it wasn't at all, but, um, and the, the getting out part was actually really easy. It was kind of crazy, but I also thought that I got there kind of late and that a bunch of people had come from BART and there'd be a bunch of people going back to BART to go home. No, most people took Caltrans, which is the train from like all along the Bay Area it runs from San Jose to San Francisco and it dumps people off, people off right there at Oracle. Well, when I looked up transportation online and what was the best way to go to Oracle, BART was like one of the, it was like highly recommended. Like they said, like go to Mil, uh, the Milbray BART park there, take it in. It's a beautiful scenic walk through the skyscrapers of San Francisco, you know, and all, whatever. So I'm thinking everybody's doing BART, so it'll be fine. And when I went to Coldplay, the light rail system, which is similar to BART, BART, by the way, is Bay Area Rapid Transit. If you aren't familiar with it, it's like the subway, but a lot of it's above ground. Some of it goes like I don't know if, it, I guess some of it does go underground, um, but it's very similar to a subway. So, um, but when I went to Coldplay, there was so many people taking light rail because there's nowhere to park around there. And so everyone does light rail. So I thought everybody would be doing that with BART, but they didn't. Everybody did that with the train. I didn't take the train. So I am like, I need to get back to my car. So I, I'm, I decide at like, I'm thinking, okay, if I get down there by like 1030 down to the lower area and maybe just watch the rest of the concert from the lower area and then I'll just like exit. Um, I know this is a lot of information, but you have to understand my mindset. I was really panicking about the leaving part because I was like, shit, I got to really plan this out well. Um, but I got to end of the concert and I didn't want to move from my seat. It was so crazy. There was all this empty seating like down below me, but I just didn't want to move. I felt a little frozen in my seat. I don't know why. Um, and so when, and I'm so glad I didn't leave early, like, cause I was kind of considering leaving early before all the songs were done. And like, of course there was rock of ages and uh photograph photograph being one of my most favorite songs of all time. Um, that came out when I was 13. It was when I fell madly in love with Joe Elliott during the summer of 1983. And that song came out and I was, and then I saw the video and I saw who he was and oh my God, the white parachute pants and Oh yeah, I was just completely, completely in love with Joe Elliott. I my whole room was decorated with Joe Elliott posters, Circus Magazine, Hip Parader. I had Joe Elliott everywhere. I was just absolutely in love with this man. So 
I'm really glad that I didn't leave and I stayed for photograph because of course that's my song. So I, I stay and now I realize it's, you know, it's after 11. I'm not going to make it to BART by 11.09. So I just give into the fact that I'm not leaving till 12.09. So I, it does go out pretty quickly. I'm heading through the stairway going down, 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 down. It's an inside stairway and it goes down probably, it felt like maybe seven levels until finally you're at street level. And as um, I'm probably like halfway through it, then the crowds start coming in through the doors. So I'd gotten a little bit of a head start, but then they started, it started to fill up as I was going down the stairs, which was still fine. So I get out onto the street and I realize that not many people, there are some bigger kind of groups walking toward where I need to go. And so I'm just walking with them, assuming we're all going to the same place. And these groups start thinning out and they're going to hotels in the area. And all of a sudden I am alone walking down the streets of San Francisco. This is about 1130 at night. I have, um, oh, I have 2% left on my phone. I do have a BART pass to get back into BART. I had all that, you know, everything was set for that. And I'm walking with these two girls that are ahead of me and I, they cross the street. <laughs> they're walking really fast and I'm assuming they're going to BART. So I'm just going to follow them. And then I asked them, are you going to BART? And they go, oh, excuse me, what is that? And they, they definitely had like some accent from somewhere else. They didn't know what I was talking about. They were on their way to their hotel. So all of a sudden I am alone and it is very sparse as far as people around me. There's like nobody around me and I don't see where the entrance to the BART station is. I can't seem to find it because we came out on one other end of it and we went around the block and it was like, that was what I was afraid of is that it was going to be the opposite coming back. And I wasn't exactly sure Little did I know is actually I had walked right past it because it's a stairway going down from street level um, that goes straight like the sub subway in New York. Same thing. So I get to um, uh, why well, passed it and I went down this back street and I'm realizing there is nobody here at all. Like there's no one and it's fucking scary. And then I see two gentlemen walking towards me and they had like uniforms on like maybe they were you know, um, janitors. So I said, excuse me, can you tell me where the BART is? Like, I'm totally, I didn't say I'm lost, but I just said, which direction? So they said, oh, turn around, go back to market and then go to your left. And it's right there. You just go down the stairs. I'm like, oh shit, I totally missed it. So I go back, I find it. I go down the stairs, I get inside BART down below. And there's about, mm, there's a good, there's a good amount of people in there. And the BART trains are coming, but they're going to totally different directions. They're going to Antioch. That's across the bay. They're going to Daly City. That's further into the city. I'm not hearing the one for my direction. And I'm getting a little worried. Then all of a sudden, I see these three people come down that I had taken BART in from my station with. And I talked to them on the way in because I could tell, obviously, they had Def Leppard shirts on. So we talked about our seats and all that. It was a father about my age, um, his college-age daughter, and there is like probably high school-age son. And so they show up and I'm like, oh, hey, how was the con? Did you love the concert? By now my phone is dead. Um, so I'm, but I feel good because I'm with these people and we're going to get back on together. And that's awesome. I'll have somebody to walk, uh, you know, that's kind of like here with me and they're going to have to wait it out with me. Cause at this point it's like 1140 and we have to wait till 1209. So we got to wait. So I'm laying down eyes closed, baseball hat over my face, just to try to catch a little bit of like rest because I know I'm going to have to get I'll probably get to my car by like one in the morning. I'm going to have to drive over an hour home. I'm not going to get home till two. So I'm trying to just get a little bit of rest. And so I'm listening for our car to come, our BART. And I'm not hearing them say Milbrae at all. They just keep saying South San Francisco. No, no, no. They said um, 
San Francisco International Airport. And I do realize that that's the right direction, but it, it makes a, a beeline over the freeway before it gets to my stop and goes to San Francisco International Airport. So either it's going to stop there or you have to transfer and get in on another BART and then have that one take you back over to where our car is. Or this one maybe goes to Milpitas, or Mil, I keep saying Milpitas, Milbrae, but I'm not sure because it's kind of unclear. They're not sure. And um, if I'm stuck at San Francisco International, I'm going to have to get an Uber or a taxi back over to Milbrae Station, which is, you know, not far. It's like two miles or whatever. But these are the options in my head that I'm thinking of. And so I'm a little uneasy about it, but I'm with them. And I know they're not going to like walk away from me because they know I'm by myself. Um, And so we all of a sudden, like, I'm still not hearing anything that says Milbrae, but they said they start to get up and go to the one that's going for the airport. So I get up with them and I'm like, oh, are you getting on? Is this the one? And they said, yeah, we think so. So we all sit down and we keep talking about all these different options that could happen. And she said, and if you, we get a taxi or whatever, you're welcome to join, join us. And you know, we've got you covered. I'm like, oh my God, thank you so much. So it takes us to, um, the airport and we all get off because we think this is the last stop. And then a lady working in the window thing or in the booth goes, oh no, that's going back to Millbrae. Hurry up and get back on it. So we go, oh my God. So we run back because we, that would have been it. We would have had to have gotten a taxi if it took off without us. We get back on, it wasn't really of a rush anyways, because it still waited like another three or four minutes. So we're, we sit down and we're waiting and I'm sitting on the seat that's like facing the center aisle. So I've got my head against, uh, it was a just the wall of the subway or whatever. It wasn't a window and the door is to my right. And then just beyond that door, the next seating is facing my direction. So directly facing my right side. Um, so the, the door shut and there's a gentleman sitting there and, um, he, and I will say that it was a black gentleman and it's important just to say that because of what happened. Um, but anyways, he's, that sounds so bad the way I just said that, but you'll understand when I, when I say it. So, um, so he's, he's talking, looks like on the phone because I'm looking at him and I don't want to be rude and look over at him. So I'm looking, I open my eyes and I just happen to see his reflection. Cause it's freaking late, but it's all lit up inside of the subway or this BART station, BART train, of course. And by the way, the, the guy driving the BART train can't see us at all. We're just in this little box, right? That's going to be shut soon. But this man is talking what it looks like into his phone. Like it looks like he's FaceTiming somebody. And I hear him say, I don't care, bitch. This isn't my problem. You caused this bitch. This is your fault. Don't fucking do that to me. Don't, you know, and he's getting like, he's in a fight with somebody. Clearly I'm thinking this is his girlfriend. I don't know. None of my business, right? So I continue to close my eyes and put my head back. I just didn't want to pay attention to it. I mean, if this guy's like, I'm sorry, he's going through this. That sucks. But he's obviously making everyone else listen. So what are we going to do? And by the way, the people that I was with were sitting um, about two seats away. They were like, they weren't right next to me. And then there was another couple that were sitting a seat away and across the aisle. They were my age. All of us were white. Um, And so he is the, the, the doors close. We're going, we're heading over to our next stop over in Millbrae. And this is not a long ride. It's just probably under five minutes, honestly. And he, um, is getting more angry. And he says, it would be worth it to go to prison for the rest of my life to murder you or blow your head off something of that nature. Like he's basically saying it's 
it would be fine. I wouldn't mind killing you and spending the rest of my life in jail. It would be worth it. And I'm like, oh my God, like he is really, really mad at her. Like, Jesus Christ, who says that? Like, this is obviously not a relationship that's going to last. And I, I just decided to look over and he's not holding a phone. He's looking right at me. He's looking right at me. And I, and he is, he is not happy. He is livid and his eyes are big and he's probably about 30 years old. Um, didn't appear mentally, um, insane. He's speaking super clearly and his mouth is like real tight. Like he's like, he's livid. And, um, I, the next thing I start hearing is that, uh, this is, this is, you did this bitch, you dumb bitch, you did this. And it's getting louder. His things, some of the things that he said, I don't really remember. I just know that it was kind of like repeated stuff. That's, this is, I, you, you brought this upon yourself, you dumb bitch. Um, I hear him say something about honky. Uh, and then at, obviously at this point, I realize this is directed at me. I think I heard something about my hair being blonde. And he is grabbing his sweatshirt right at his waistline. It's a black sweatshirt. And he, I don't know whether he was just bunching up his sweatshirt in his right hand, but he is squeezing right in that area. And it looks like he there could be a gun underneath his sweatshirt. Now I've, I'm someone who's been shot. And um, I'm, I'm aware of things like this happening. That, that people, some people don't have any regard for life at all. And they're, they're not happy about their life and they don't care about yours. Doesn't matter who you are. They don't care. Um, but I, from what I took from it, he was a very angry man and he didn't like white people. He'd called me a honky, basically said I brought this upon myself. It was worth it to go to jail for the rest of his life to put a bullet in my head. Um, my blood was draining from my body. I felt like I was not feeling anything anymore. And I'm looking straight down, just thinking, don't look at him. You're going to, this is going to be over soon. He's going to be off or we're going to stop or something. But I do realize that we're trapped in this car with this man. He also had a suitcase that looked like it was empty. It's one of the smaller ones on wheels. And um, that was next to him. And he kept kicking his right leg out into the aisle and then putting it back down and then kicking it out straight and then putting it back down. I have restless leg syndrome. It kind of reminded me of what I do with my leg when it's driving me crazy. But it, to me, it looked like he was um, feeling, um, oh, what's the word, agitated. And he was escalating for sure because everything that he said was getting louder and louder with each thing that he yelled at. And he finally said, he said, fucking retarded, um, you dumb bitch. And like, he just, that kind of kept coming out, but I know he finally blurted out fucking retarded. And I, I know that none of us were looking at him. I looked at the people across my way that were just over just a little bit and they're looking down too. And there was like two men and a, like a young man in the group and no one's doing anything. I'm feeling like this is directed at me a hundred percent. And that if anything happens, he's going to direct it at me 100%. All I could think about was the fact that I told told Owen to leave uh, the slider locked and the front door locked because I had my key and I, I could get in through there. And if I couldn't get in, whatever, I can go through the garage. Just that I'd had this conversation with Owen about me coming home because he was worried. My mom had asked me if I was going to bring pepper spray. 
Um, and I said, of course, like early in the podcast, I said that I didn't know if I should because I didn't think I could bring it into Oracle Park. So I didn't. This lady that sat with me in the stands said, you're so brave to come to a concert like this alone. I could never do that. I'd be so scared. And I thought, you know what? I It is a little scary. It was a little scary having to figure out par- parking at Millbury Station and find the right ticket price and go down the right platform, get on the right train, come back, you know, find the place from BART to say, I had to talk to people to find, you know, have help getting my, you know, to the park. And so like, yeah, I was alone doing this, but I always feel like I'm a big girl. I can handle this. Nothing's going to happen to me. I've been shot already. I've survived AIDS. Nothing's going to happen to me. But I tell you in that moment, uh, all of that was out the window. And all I could think about was this young woman who'd been killed on BART over in Oakland. I don't even know. It was in the last five years. She was young, like I think 20, and she was nearly decapitated by some crazy guy on BART. So I'm thinking uh, that if this guy, if it came down to him coming over to me with a gun, he would enjoy me begging for my life. He really hated me. I don't know what I did to him, but he, I think it was definitely racially driven and he did not like white people. And so, as I said, he was grabbing at his sweatshirt and it looked like there was something underneath the sweatshirt. I, I mean, I was just like, I, I didn't feel like I had any blood left in me. I really thought my life was over or that it was going to be, and that I was going to be on the news and all this. And I just listened to this, also this podcast, um, I think it was the one, um, it was, uh, anatomy of murder. And they interviewed a woman whose daughter had been killed by her boyfriend. I'd listened to this on the way up, uh, to the Millbrae station. And it talked about moms and daughters and the bond that they have and all that. And I thought of my daughters and I thought of my mom. I thought I just heard this story and this is going to be me they're going to be talking about me in a true crime podcast. I'm going to be on the news tomorrow. My kids are going to find out about this on the news. You know, I, I didn't have a, my phone was dead. There was nothing I could do with my phone. And I just thought, um, yeah, if I'm begging for my life, he'll just enjoy it. Like, don't, I can't even say There's nothing I could say to this person because he, he wants me dead. That's it. Bottom line. He doesn't even care about his own life. And, um, all of a sudden the, the, Bart starts to come to a stop. We're finally at our stop. And he pops up and it scared the shit out of me because I thought this is it. He's going to take three steps, pull a gun out and shoot me. And I already know what it feels like to be shot. I know that feeling of like, you can't believe this is happening. You're, you've been shot and you're in pain. And it's like this whole, like, it's almost like a heartbeat that you hear like this, like, is this, you can't believe it. Like, is this really happening? Is this really freaking happening? I mean, it is the most unreal feeling when you go through some kind of like traumatic, like, you know, where you've been a victim of a crime and you're still alive. Um, so I, you know, unless you've been through it, I guess you wouldn't really know, but like a lot of people have been through traumatic things where like things like that, maybe car accidents and stuff like that, where there, or like any kind of accident where you're hurt and you're like, Oh my God, what, what just happened to my body and myself? And am I okay? And all that. So I really felt like that was just about to happen. And when he stood up, I thought, here it goes. Oh my God. And so I stood up really fast and took three very quick steps and sat down right where these people were sitting so that I was not alone anymore. And he didn't move forward. And he held on to the pole and waited for Bart to stop. And he got off and he got off. And we all waited very quietly for him to walk, you know, a good ways away. And then we all got off 
and the uh, the couple walked away from us like as if they were fine. I don't know. It was weird to me that they didn't even have a conversation with us. And they said, oh, I guess this is our step. And I'm stop. And I'm like, am I crazy? Or did you not just hear all of that? Like he was yelling, he was screaming. And the lady I think was probably just not sure what to say. So she just acted like everything was fine. And then the, the father and the kids or, you know, the teenage girl, well, she was like in her early twenties and their son, he didn't say a word. The kid didn't say a word. He was probably like 18 or 17. And then the father, I said to them, I thought he had a gun. And they said, did you see one? And I said, no, I don't, I don't, I didn't. But I mean, he could have had a knife too. That also went through my mind because knives are really easy to get. A gun might be harder, but like a knife is also terrifying and could definitely kill somebody even with other people around. And so I said that, um, I didn't see anything. I wasn't for sure. I guess he didn't, but I said, I, in that moment, I thought he did. And, um, so we are all walking together. We can hardly like, it's like you didn't really even want to talk about it because it was just so awful. I was so like unnerved by it. And then we go up the escalator. He continued down the platform. I don't even know where he went, but as we're coming up the escalator, there's another black gentleman that kind of comes out of, and I hate to keep saying black gentleman, but I was so unnerved by this guy. And then I see this other guy, who, you know, this is 1240 at night at Bart, there's nobody there. There's no one working or anything. It's just us coming up the escalator. And there's another guy that's just out, came from out of nowhere with a hoodie on. And he's walking, you know, like kind of quickly over by us. I thought, oh my God, here we go again. Like someone is looking to attack us or like take our money or something, you know, and you hear about these kind of things happening all the time, you know, in like subway stations and um, BART stations and all that. So I'm just, I'm like, and they even did like a double take, like we thought it was him again and it was some other guy. But again, you know, what are you doing at BART at 1240 at night? And there's, why, why aren't you home in bed? Are you, are you homeless or I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but anyways, thank God my car, well, they would have walked me to my car regardless of where it was, but our cars were like literally the only cars left on the parking lot and they were right by each other. So we got onto the same level and we got in our cars and I, I drove home and I just, I just thought, honestly, I was kind of scared. Like what if my car breaks down? And I'm like one of those people that gets picked up on the side of the road and murdered because I'm vulnerable, you know? I, I didn't even feel 100% safe in my car driving home because of that experience. It's so, it was so unnerving and terrifying and everything you can think of. So I talked about it on um, a TikTok live tonight and I, it, like I was getting nervous talking about it because it was sort of like bringing up all those feelings again. And I didn't go into great detail about it. I wanted to talk about it on here in more detail about exactly how it felt. But what it did is it brought a lot of, um, <sighs> what's the word, not clarity, but awareness to me that, um, that yeah, anything is possible. It doesn't matter if I've been shot already. It doesn't matter if I've like survived AIDS. Cause I always think that makes me invincible to other things. It would almost be like, of course, that's how she died. She got killed on BART because like nothing's impossible. Like she already had been shot. She'd already had AIDS. Why not die by some man on the BART train, have her murder her. I mean, and yeah, it would go in the news and then it would be forgotten. But of course it would change the course of her kids' lives and all of that. And they would say, oh my God, it's so crazy because she was so into true crime and here she died uh, of a victim of a violent crime. You know, I mean, all of these things were going through my head. So 
I talked to my mom the next day and it was ironic because my step, my step, my stepdad, no, my step ex-husband, my ex-husband called me the next morning. He was worried about me going there by myself. And I'm always like, everybody's overreacting. I tell him what happened. And he's like, I knew it. I freaking, that's what he called me at 715 while I was driving Owen to school. He said, I knew it. I just knew something was going to happen. And he goes, I swear to God, if I was there, I would have done this to the guy, done that, or I would have at least blocked you from ever getting hurt. I mean, my ex-husband is obviously still cares about me a lot and I care about him too. We just will never be a a couple again, but of course he will be in my life um, forever because of our kids. And we have a great connection anyways. We all went out to breakfast this morning and I just have the best time with my kids and my ex-husband. We really are a great group because, well, it only makes sense. We made three kids. They are with their mom and dad. We get along really well. Um, I just don't want to be married to him anymore. And that I don't want to have that relationship with him. But I I love Chris. I mean, he's a great person. And I'm glad that he is the father of my kids. And um, he's hysterical. He's so funny. So anyways, I, just to go back to that, like he was ready. He would protect me. Um, at no cost. And I know that for sure, Chris would do anything to protect me. Um, And um, so it was just weird that my mom was very concerned because she saw that my Instagram story stopped at the stadium. And there was no stories after that. Well, of course, there wasn't because what was I going to do film myself driving home. So when I got home at two in the morning, of course, I had to go I had to go straight to bed because I had to get up early. So I called her at like, I don't know if it was like eight o'clock, but she said I was I'm so glad to hear your voice because this and that. And it's just interesting that there were two people that were very concerned about my safety where I was very just, it'll be fine. Like everyone's going to be on BART. It'll be fine, you know? Um, But it wasn't fine. And it was, it just made me realize that like anything's possible. And I, I don't know if I would go to a concert again. Well, I make sure that the transportation part was definitely different. And um, that was just lack of, you know, me knowing what was available to me as far as transportation. But man, did I feel like my life could have ended. So it was a big wake up call for sure about my mortality and how quickly life can end. And that there are people in the world that don't care about your life at all. That all. They don't care whether they kill you or not. They don't care about their life. So why would they care about mine? So yeah. That's my story from my Motley Crue Def Leppard Poison concert. And uh, it's, I'll always have the great memory of the concert, but unfortunately this thing is sticking out in my head a little bit more than the concert. So be careful, everybody out there. Watch your surroundings. Be safe. Walk with a friend. <laughs> Carry pepper spray if you need to. Just be safe. There's a lot of people in the world today that are very angry at life, at other people. They'll stop at nothing to harm you. They don't care. It's a very sad state of affairs where we are today in the world with violence and mental illness. And with that, I will say goodbye until next time. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you're all doing well and safe and happy. And I love you guys, and I'm so glad that I am sitting here today able to tell this story. Thanks, guys. Thanks for supporting me always. I love you all. Bye. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys.